Welcome to IP Frequently. IP Frequently, the number one intellectual property podcast brought to you by IPedia and Dominion Harbor. Let me just tell you something. This is why I don't work with people that have their SAG card, okay? Because it's just a fucking mistake. I don't even know what that means. The Screen Actors Guild, Brad, the Screen Actors Guild. No. It's Hello? Not- Jesus Christ. And then uh, now, and now video has been. Good God. Are you guys doing videos or no? No, we're not doing We talked about it. We're it's not doing video. supposed to be a mystery guest, you dope. All right. I won't be on the video. No fun. Well, no one does video. We don't do video. See, yeah. Brad, this oh. is it. We, we cannot work with fucking amateurs. It's a podcast for Pete's sake. Well, it's been my experience that the okay, most course, successful yeah. pod, the, the, the most successful yeah. podcasts actually live stream through StreamYard onto YouTube and, and you know, sites like that. You so let me tell you me. something. Okay. You lost let me, let me tell you. In your experience. Yeah, that's, that's of course. Well, let me tell you something. The guy who does the Lone Gunman podcast doesn't do any of that. Okay. None of it. And I listen religiously. The Lone Gunman? Hey, Jared, make a note. Never to do this again, please. Noted. All right. Can we just get this fucking thing going for God's sake? Hey, Brad, how you doing? I'm good, pal. I'm good. It's good to be back with you here. Another week in the books. We're getting closer to the holidays. I'm excited. Closer to the end of 2020, turning the page to 2021. We've got an exciting episode here. We're going to deck the halls and uh, all that good stuff. And we're going to bring a special mystery guest onto the, uh, onto the podcast waves. How exciting is this? I'm pretty excited. Well, how should we refer to our mystery guest? Do we use the traditional John Doe? Or well, we have there. There are various guest? things we can do, but Brad, before we go on, before we go anywhere close to the mystery guest from Parts Unknown, uh, let's start with a little song that I think fits the topic and the mystery guest to a T. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to play a little uh, a little hit. From the mid-1980s, Physical by Olivia Newton-John. Brad, what do you think? Well, I mean, who in their right mind especially of the age that you and I were in the eighties are going to say anything bad about Olivia Newton, John. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Nobody, nobody is Brad. And I'll tell you what, uh, you've got uh, Olivia Newton, John with the physical thing, the lovely Jane Fonda, who I know you're very fond of no pun intended with her, the, the leg muffins that she used to wear Jamie Lee Curtis in that John Travolta film about the rocker size. Uh, it, it was a great era. It was your salad days, as you've mentioned before, and that's how we can lead in to the COVID update and our mystery guest, uh, who is a, an entrepreneur who owns a gym in the uh, northeast part of the country in an area that's been shut down by a tyrannical governor. And this guest, who mm. we're distorting his appearance, uh, his identity, and his voice for purposes of this podcast, he's going to sound like some, you know, for lack of a better word, fucked up Rhode Islander. Um, but that's not the way he actually sounds. He is operating uh, under the cover of darkness, uh, illegally, illicitly, against government edict in order to better the uh, lives of the morbidly obese people that uh, he or she trains. Brad, what say you? Let's bring uh, Shim on. 
Mr. It Guest? Is, yes, I, I am a he. That's so you can refer to me as a he. And uh, yes, I do own a fitness facility in the Northeast. And yes, we are in a lockdown. And yes, I do have my shades down, waiting for the Stasi to come in. The doors are locked, but the clients are training. And I will say, if anyone's freaking out right now, that the recommendations is one person per 150 square feet. Uh, we have two people for 2,000 square feet. So one person for 1,000 square feet. I think we're uh, exceeding uh, the guidelines. So I, I feel very good about it. And we've had zero transmission since June, by the way. And you're doing all this under the cover of darkness, right? With the uh, shades down, newspaper up, pretending you're actually closed or a soup yes. kitchen. Yes, this is correct. Yes. On, on, on last Saturday, in fact, I had a row of lights off uh, and, and the customers that did pull up and park in the hair salon that's open next to me, because I asked them to park next, you know, next to my facility, they said they thought we were closed. So, so far, so good. Uh, week one of the shutdown and I'm still in business. Um, so our next segment is a new one that uh, the... Uh, uh, the PR firms have uh, asked us to focus on, it's called Business Corner. Uh, Business Corner was where Brad takes you into the bosom of Dominion Harbor Group and gives you a life lesson in business as only he can, uh, taken from the day-to-day -day play playbook of the folks at Dominion Harbor. Today, the question uh, that is uh, pretty much unanimous from all the folks that uh, thought it'd be a good idea uh, for Business Corner is... Brad at Dominion Harbor and mystery guest at uh, Sites Unknown. Uh, how do you motivate your employees do it during a global pandemic? So how do you motivate your employees do it during a global pandemic? Uh, Brad, uh, I'll let you take that first and we'll hand it off to um, Mr. Fitness number two. Well, I, I mean, obviously motivation is more important during a global pandemic than you know probably normally. Uh, we're not able to get together in the office. There's no, you know, collegial banter. There's no being able to help when a problem arises by just immediately stepping in. And so all of those things can contribute to a decline in morale. And uh, so therefore, you know, keeping morale up during a pandemic is, is important, right? So, you know, one of the things David, you and I discussed was uh, you know potentially taking the military perspective, which was the beatings will continue until morale improves. We batted that around a little bit, no pun intended, and uh, decided you know what that's not you know sort of Dominion Harbor's way, and so instead we implemented at the outset of the pandemic some weekly calls, made sure that we were listening to folks' concerns and complaints and issues with remote working perhaps at a contest here or there to give away a free lunch with one, which wound up costing the business tens of thousands of dollars. Thanks to those orders of the winners. Almost shut us down. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we pulled back from that obviously, but we did take morale somewhat seriously at the outset of the pandemic. Uh, and I'm sure that our, uh, our mystery guest has some insights as well, given the nature of his business, which is to, uh, you know, as I understand it, to to keep people motivated, to keep them fit, to keep them focused on the future, and and why there are reasons for hope. And so, uh, mystery guest, uh, what what is your take on increasing or at least maintaining morale in a pandemic? Right, that's a great question. And so, in my world, I guess I'll start with employees. 
<laughs> so we need motivated employees to stay motivated first off. So having the right people on the bus, I think is uh, very important because it's really tough to motivate someone who's just not motivated to work. So uh, hiring starts way before the pandemic. And I feel like we had a good team in place uh, in my facilities and essentially for me and motivating my employees, this is the, this is the time to really shine because people really do need us. You know, people are isolated at home, not around a lot of people. And in terms of just uh, well-being, more so than weight loss or anything else, uh, we felt like, you know, this is where we shine. This is why we do what we, what we do. And, you know, really uh, linking the, the just cause, I guess we can say, in our souls to what we actually do on a daily basis has proven to be quite successful for us. So, you know, one client at a time that we've been working with, just a lot of energy, enthusiasm, and, uh, you know, we've been getting great results. And, and quite frankly, I, I had a better June to August than I did the year prior. Good. Love it. I think that's a great answer. And I think it's important that uh, uh, I think you both stress the lines of communication, keeping them open. So now um, we get to the part of the show uh, and that is the famous name that regulation segment. And that's where if you think Johnny Carson stumped the band, uh, name that tune in two notes. It's where we give Brad a number of a regulation out of millions and some would say trillions, trillions of regulations just lying around. Uh, and Brad is gonna describe what that regulation is. And I'm, I'm just pulling out a, uh, a piece of paper here from the big old uh, fishbowl. And this is, uh, this is from uh, Joanne, uh, Joanne in Hyde Park. Uh, Joanne says, Brad, name that regulation. 601.01e. That's clearly the content of provisional and non-provisional applications. Everybody knows that, right? I could call on a friend for that, right? Of course. But then you get down to 601.01, and you know, you're starting to get a little more specific. And you're talking about the completeness of the application at that point, right? And then 601.01e, you walk your way through, well, geez, you know, I mean, A, we're going to start with non-provisional applications under 111a, obviously, right? I mean, that's that's the most commonly filed application. That's where you're going to start with A. B, not surprisingly, then, will be those filed under 111b. Then you got C, where you're, com you're converting um, from to or from a provisional application. You're going from these the, a, a non-provisional, and then you're sort of transitioning into a provisional and once you've walked that path well then e becomes obvious right you're talking about a non-provisional application filed without at least one claim and uh you know you just couldn't do it right i mean a, prior to a, december amen. 18th of 2013 you couldn't do it and so if that's when your provisional was filed you'd be in trouble our next segment is the uh, new segment called poll position Poll position. Now, this is the segment where Brad and our mystery guest uh, try to guess who would win a hypothetical race. I have to say that uh, poll position is brought to you by Ipedia and is not in any way affiliated with the New York Racing Commission, the Kentucky Racing Commission, or any of their respective members or horses. Um, there's a lot of other legalese you can read on our website, but that's what we have to read as part of the settlement that we went through this past summer. Uh, and today, the studio audience has picked um, Barbaro, the great Kentucky Derby winner of 2006, and Ricky Henderson, 
Uh, some would say the spark plug of those 1980s Yankee teams that won absolutely nothing. Um, and again, temporally, it's Barbaro right after the Kentucky Derby in 2006 before he shattered his leg in a number of spaces. And Ricky Henderson in the mid-80s when he was bogged down in the quagmire that were the uh, uh, then New York Yankees. So, Brad, take it away. Well, yeah, I don't know what you think, Mystery Guest, but, you know, the part of winning what's the distance first of all it's not defined and i don't think we can define it by uh, virtue of the settlement well doesn't that you know sort of bear on the outcome well that's why you get to go first all right well i you know let's just let's make it simple let's make it a sprint and uh, you know just something you know right in the in the 50 to 100 meter range so that we're not being overly specific if you're going to win a sprint, as the mystery guest well knows, you got to get a good start. And no one had a better start than Ricky Henderson. What you cannot take away from him was his ability to read the pitcher and get a jump. Right. So I think what happens here is, is they're at the starting line. I mean, the horse doesn't know nothing for nothing. Right. I mean, he's waiting for the gate to open, something to happen, the jockey to hit him. I think Henderson's going to be looking at the starter. He's going to read him like a book. And he's going to get a good, you know, two, three step lead on the horse. And I think that's going to make all the difference. Mr. Guest. Well, I, I know it's popular to take the, uh, the other side of this view with podcasts and radio shows and whatnot. So I would actually fully agree with Brad. If this is a 60 foot race, uh, there's no question that Ricky Henderson is going to steal that base and, get out in front as Barbaro gains his traction. If this is a mile race, Barbaro is kicking Ricky Henderson's ass. Uh, if this is a marathon and Ricky trains correctly, Ricky beats the horse, uh, especially <laughs> especially if there is no rider on the horse. Interesting. Uh, next, we have the uh, world famous uh, uh, segment, Time Machine. This is where Brad is sent back in time with one item. Um, and Terminator style, right? So completely al fresco. We can't really go into that any further, but uh, you know what that means. Just lubed up, ready to go, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator, only not there to kill Sarah Connor, there to perform another task as given to him uh, by an audience member. And that task involves a choice, a decision point. Do you do A or B? Do you do C or D? Do you do this or that? We don't know. But uh, we'll know in a minute when we read this piece of paper from our uh, good, uh, good friend Dan in the audience from New Hampshire. Dan says, Brad, what if we sent you back in time to Akron, Ohio? Akron, Ohio, August 2, 1979, around midday. We'll send you back with uh, two things. The next day's paper. Uh, and uh, a betting sheet for the next 30 years of games uh, and a six-pack of Zima. And although I do think uh, in, in defense of the Zima folks, that would have to be a four-pack or two four-packs making eight. I don't think you could split those up into six-packs. Um, and of course, as anyone knows, that was the day that Thurman Munson took off in his turbo prop and uh, never, uh, never uh, well, well, he landed, but not in a good way. Uh, and Brad, I guess the question Dan is posing is, do you save uh, Thurman Munson and split the Zima with him and then go on to him being probably a mediocre middle of the road catcher who ends up in the 
California Angels farm system? Uh, or do you just take the betting sheet and go to the local Akron, Ohio bookie shop and start placing bets and then have the Zima there? Brad, what do you think? Well, you know, buddy, this is, you know, relatively straightforward, I think, for, for most folks to answer. But I'm going to pass the baton here. We don't often have a mystery guest. We do today. Uh, this mystery guest happens to fancy himself a bit of a Yankees aficionado, a little bit of a pinstriper, if you will. And so uh, I think I will pass this off. Mr. Mystery, what do you do? You can save Thurman Munson or you can profit from his demise like a common bastard. What are you going to do there? Either way, you get the Zima. This is quite simple. I am going to save Thurman Munson. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He is on his way to the Hall of Fame. In the mid-70s, he had three seasons of 100-plus RBIs. And for a catcher in a pitching-dominating league of that time, I would have uh, saved him. And uh, I think it's an easy one. So now we'll move on to our next uh, topic. This is a specialty topic just for this week alone. It's called the Pinstripe Minute. All right. And this is where we'll debate some uh, uh, Yankee great and try to determine if he's better or not better than some other great uh, athlete. And uh, what the audience has done here is they've pulled their uh, baseball knowledge, they've pulled it together, and they've asked the question um, who's better? Uh, the great Derek Jeter, who I believe may be in the Hall of Fame, or the uh, late great Larry Boa. Um, both shortstops, both great range, terrific bats. Brad, uh, mystery guest, what do y'all what do y'all think? Well, I'm sure our I, mystery guest has something to say here. Oh yeah, I mean this is not even uh, not even close. I mean this is you, know, you should sound silly. You should be embarrassed asking this question. Definitely, Derek Jeter is far and away uh, much more accomplished, much more influential. Has the rings, five of them actually, uh, and and Larry Boa was a decent manager. Uh, but yeah, no, give me the jeets. Yeah, well, we never we never tell our audience that they should be embarrassed for asking questions. And uh, I, I well, I think when you bring up the Yankees well, on a Yankee question, like whoa, this. whoa, you don't have to get don't get defensive again. We don't want to tip anyone to your identity or anything like that. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the question of the week. The question of the week, another award winning segment, and uh, this week's question comes to us all the way from Mumbai from a young lady named Fam. And uh, Fam says, Brad, have you ever seen a more disgraceful collapse than the New York football Jets against the Oakland football Raiders? I I think if you were to put all of the available plays into one of those hoppers, like they do with a lotto, and they're just bouncing around in there, and you pull out a string of plays to run across the four downs you have, you are almost certainly more likely to come up with a better set of downs than was selected by the New York Jets. Now, hey, I, I'm not a hater. I'm not here to run the Jets down. But that, my friend, was some bad coaching. And Brad, I'll tell you this. The, the, this sort of meshes really nice with the barter band segment tonight, which is a bronze Stevie award-winning um, uh, segment. And I don't know if our mystery guest has many bronze Stevies, um, but barter band has been given one Brown Stevie and is in line for another one, I understand, for 2020 for its treatment of the global pandemic. Anyway, Barter Ban this week is uh, tanking for uh, Trevor, which is uh, the uh, successor to sucking for Sanchez or um, shitting for Sam 
or, uh, I mean, there's just this whole line that goes back to Joe Namath. So mystery guest, what do you think about all this question of the week? Barter banned should, uh, sucking for Sanchez and taking for Trevor be barred or banned or embraced. And do you like the losing culture that's going on with the New York football jets? Yeah. Lot, lot to pack there. Huh? Uh, so, uh, a, there was I mean, they weren't throwing the game. They were playing football and trying to win the game. If you saw the play before that, uh, they actually had a cover of four, I believe, with four guys rushing, seven back, and he had Nelson Aguilar wide open, and he overthrew him behind the secondary. So I think at that point, Williams said, you know what, whether we rush all the team or we don't, it, it, they, you know, it's up to the quarterback to make it work for them, and he did. And at that moment, we'll live in infamy. Right. And it was December yeah. 7th was three days ago. So 10 years from now, we'll be looking back. Hopefully you guys are on episode 1000 by that point. And we will know that this is a turning point for all New York Jets fans. And there should be a statue of gold made of Greg Williams out in front of the uh, Meadowlands. Yeah. Well, there it is. I think that's a great I think that's a great um, a, a great way to look at it. I, I appreciate your uh, optimism. It almost seems hard to believe that. uh one could reconcile that with the uh, full-throated love of uh, the coaching staff in, in August when uh, we were told that uh, Sam Darnold was the uh, was the hero of the Jets uh, and, and the quarterback for the foreseeable future. But things change. Brad, you know this as well as I do. Well, that's a mischaracterization. Uh, Adam Gase. Since whoa, he's whoa, fired. whoa, whoa. You don't have to get hostile. <laughs> you don't get hostile. You don't get I, I, I want to defend my positions. Yeah, I, I, they, Sam Donald is a very good quarterback, in my opinion. I think he's been uh, coached extremely poorly. If you look at his footwork from year one to year three, it has digressed, and that's coaching. It has. We actually uh, did a whole episode on that. Should well, he be should he be barred or banned? Because he's been battered over the past few years. What do you guys think? I think he should be traded for a number two pick uh, overall, yeah. round, second round pick, uh, not to the Patriots, uh, but some NFC team like yeah. the Bears. Uh, Brad, do your 49ers want uh, the battered Sam Darnold? Yeah, I, I, I can't engage in this. I'm, I'm trying to – I'm going from audience member to audience member, trying to cut them down. It, this is far worse than the regulation. We're talking about Sam Darnold's footwork, yeah. and I, uh, I, I got to try and keep folks alive. So you guys keep it up, and I'll, I'll try to maintain our audience. Yeah, most yeah, of these, so, well, most of these Francisco, folks have been uh, dead since pole position. So, uh. Well, listen, San Francisco would be a great landing spot for him. That's a good coach. Uh, he feels comfortable out west, and, and they would certainly trade a, a second-round pick for him. Well, I got to tell you, this has been uh, this has been an exciting uh, episode. I want to thank our mystery guest, who we will not identify, uh, unless, of course, we get a subpoena or a, a request uh, for comment from any media uh, outlet or governor's office. Um, I want to thank you, Brad, for another great, uh, great episode and uh, thank the studio audience, those of you who made it all the way through. Uh, for the families of those who didn't, uh, you have our, our condolences. And until next week, thank you for joining us here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently, the number one intellectual property podcast in the galaxy. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.